I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to this week's Hey, I Want Your Job. And this week, I do not want your job, Patrick. I don't. But I question I that sometimes great. myself. <laughs> I right. Heck, I don't want my job most of the time. I'm not gonna lie. Patrick Falgo, what is your job title? So my job title is I'm a product manager uh, for the M365 or Microsoft 365 application platforms team uh, within the collaboration solutions group inside of the enterprise technology division of Ernst & Young, which is, uh, for those that may not know, is a big giant global accounting firm. If somebody does not know who Ernst & Young is, I am fascinated to learn what rock it is. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that big four, you say? Wait, what would who, that be? Who are those guys? <laughs> yeah, they're kind of a big deal if you haven't heard of them. So. Um, so I actually understood all of the things that you just said but most people probably don't. Yeah. One of the questions that I get a lot is, what is the difference between a project manager, a product manager, a, and all of the other permeations of yeah. that, right? So PMMs, the, the, you guys are lousy with like acronyms. Yeah, we have a lot of acronyms. So Talk a yeah, I can, so I give you maybe a little bit more insight of, you know, my job title. So what do I actually do? Maybe you're wondering. Um, so my, I have a, I have a team. Uh, I have a team. Well, I do, do lots of meetings. Um, I have a team of product managers that report under me. Um, and we're responsible for uh, specific platforms within the Microsoft 365 stack, which, you know, obviously includes things like SharePoint Online and Power Platform uh, for all your kind of low-code, no-code, citizen developer type solutions. Um, so in, uh, Teams, we're using Teams now, uh, Exchange Online. So I'm specifically responsible for SharePoint Online, Power Platform, a, a diminishing SharePoint on-premise environment, and a few other little things like uh, something called Viva Topics, which is all about knowledge management and using AI to curate knowledge within a large organization, um, search and, you know, obviously the ability to find things and locate uh, people and expertise and all those sorts of fun things. And we do this for a global, you know, worldwide organization of 350,000 people, you know, supporting many many billions worth of dollars worth of business. So that's- One of my uh, favorite things about asking questions like that to a technologist is that when you guys think that you have now answered the question in specific- Yeah, now there's so many more questions. You have failed, right? Yeah. Like utterly failed to put that into layman. So I have recently been working with a client to hire a head of product. And mm -hmm. one of the struggles that I had in that process was, trying to explain the difference between a product manager, a head of product, yep. um, and a project manager, yeah. implementation specialist, architect, like 
there's so much convergence, like the Venn diagram for those roles is just like totally overlapping. And that's before you get into the fact that different organizations use the same words to mean totally different things. Yeah. So, so let me try again. Um, (laughs) and and (laughs) so, so, um, we within our group, uh, so we work in the enterprise technology group of EY, uh, which is, you know, so for anybody out there, that's basically our internal IT team, right? So we utilize product management skill sets and techniques to manage an internal platform for EY, which is enabling our consultants who are out there client serving. And I spent many years as a client serving consultant, so we can talk about that. But um, so we're basically u- enabling these technologies for an internal audience. Now, in a product management capacity, right, because I've also worked as a commercial product management person where I have a product that I'm taking to market and I'm looking at the go-to-market strategy and the product roadmap strategy, managing a, a team of developers, doing all the, the fun agile sprints and all that kind of stuff. Right. So when you think about product management, you know, there are there are all those skill sets right required. And within my team, we actually have multiple work streams that all have product managers that are responsible for delivering certain features within the platform. And we have a little bit of a unique. Maybe. Lean on the product management because in a lot of cases, we're not necessarily the ones that are building the plat- the product, right? That's Microsoft, uh, but we are we're a large, you know, influential. Well, yeah. we're 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 a large influential customer, and um, and so we understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to um, we actually I think are in a very privileged position where we get to actually interact quite a bit with the Microsoft product group, um, which has their own, you know, product management methodologies. And and they're using us as input for to their roadmaps. And so, you know, it's it's so it becomes this multi-headed sort of like peel the onion type of thing where, you know, we have our own internal strategies and roadmaps and things that we're trying to deliver. And then we're working with Microsoft to influence their product roadmaps and strategies. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we hope to have something that is going to our our client serving community, which are the people out in the organization that are actually, you know, going out, talking with customers and making money, right, that drives all of this. Um, we want something that they're able to use and, you know, hopefully have a great user experience at the end of the day. And, you know, so there, there's definitely a mix of, um, you know, because we build some things too. Like, we'll, you know, if, if Microsoft isn't meeting our needs, then that's where we augment the product through, you know, customizations or, you know, additional processes. And we use those same kind of product management capabilities. And then sometimes we use our project management, right? So like I would say, you know, the difference there, right, is a project is a maybe a specific um, use like case. point in time use case 
Like I need somebody to manage, uh, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z and I need a man, someone to manage that. Right. Um, and whereas a product manager is really kind of looking there, maybe a step back, a little bit more focused on the long-term roadmap. What does this look like? Sure. The next three months, six months, but what does this really look like from a two to five year perspective and what's, where's the market going? Where's the, um, what are the industry trends, the technology trends, and how do we get ahead of those things to help support our, uh, you know, our customers, which are our internal, internal client serving, you know, population. Um, and all of that is extremely, extremely challenging. So. Okay. So I'm going to try to put this in like idiot, non-technical person terms, and then you can correct my yep. my version. Does that sound okay? Sure, please. So you have client stakeholder with the problem. They go, oh mm -hmm. no, we need to do a thing. Enter project manager who says, oh, what is your problem? What is the thing that you need help with? And they narrow down requirement capture, figure out kind of what actually needs to happen. They then say, oh, well, we have these tools which we could use to help you. They then go and say, great, we want to use Teams as a solution or mm -hmm. SharePoint, what have you, at which point they would go potentially to a product manager, but probably to an architect and say, oh, wise and all-knowing architect, help us design a solution using this tool for this. The architect says, cool, cool, designs, hucha, 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 solution. Then there are developers that make that happen. Yeah, the and then the so take that and multiply it by about 50,000 times every yep. year. And so the product <laughs> manager's job is to make sure that the project managers know what their product can do and mm -hmm. that their product is prepared to meet the ongoing 50,000 iterations of needs um, from the customers. How'd I do? I think pretty good, yeah. Okay. I, I would agree with that for, for the most part. I mean- That was a tough test si for me, Simplified, like but- pressure. Yeah. Very simplified, very <laughs> simplified, but okay. So all of that having been said, how does one become a product manager? Because interestingly, a, yeah. I've had a lot of people, like they're hot commodities right now mm -hmm. with all of the investment in startups, et cetera. There's most of my clients have had a requirement for either PM, product managers or PMMs, yeah. which is like product manager meets marketing. So PMM, for people right. who don't know, is product marketing manager. It's like the hybrid between those two things. Yeah, um, and, and I guess what some observation I've seen too is uh, there's different types of product managers, right? There are, um, you know, so prior to coming to EY, you know, I was a product manager, but I also worked, you know, I had a colleague who I worked with and we were peers on our team. And he, so I would have described him maybe as like a technical product manager. And then I was the, you know, product product manager. So I was the one doing, you know, meeting with the customers, doing pre-sales, doing go-to-market strategy, working with the marketing teams, working with 
you know, kind of kind of the all up sort of like business owner for that particular product. And he was my colleague, you know, coming from a very much like a solution architecture background. And so he and I would agree on the roadmap. He was the one, you know, probably, you know, grooming the backlog more and, you know, working directly with the dev teams to plan out sprints and things like that. And you get kind of the within product management, right? You can have different variations of that. You may have uh, some product managers and you see this a lot with Microsoft, right? Where they will, they'll have uh, product marketing managers, like you said, right? That are, they're really the ones out there like evangelizing and talking about the product to the public. Um, and then you've got, I think they call it principal product or program manager, uh, but they have sort of different variations of, of product manager within Microsoft as well. And those are the people that are really more, you know, maybe talking with customers, getting their feedback. You know, they're, they're the ones that are going to spend time with me and saying, hey, you work at a large customer. What do you think, right? Um, doing that market type research. So there are these different variations of product manager. So I guess, you know, getting back to the question, I don't think there's one direct path to becoming a product manager. Um, I kind of faked it till I made it <laughs> uh, in, in terms of that. But I think in, you know, if you are looking at product management as a career path, I would say, you know, just keep in mind that there are all these different variations of product management. And then, you know, a lot of times what it, what it boils down to is, you know, do you have experience in the problem space that the problem is trying to address or the technology that the product is being built on? Like those can be very good inroads into, you know, kind of making that transition. So, you know, my background, I came from a technical background, you know, so I started out my career as a accidental developer, um, you know, uh, mostly because Double I was on the street and like well, I was, Java came out. Like, is that? <laughs> uh, well, I was I was lazy, and you know, I I could I, I could spend all day, you know, doing things manually, or I could write some code, and so I wrote some code, and you know, that led to you know opportunities. Um, my you know, my education background is industrial engineering. Um, so, you know, wasn't exactly like coding and computer science. Um, but, you know, early 2000s, that was, you know, coding was the way to make more money faster. So um, that's the route I went. to make money now. Yeah, yeah. No, Fair. absolutely not. Um, but so I started out as a, you know, as a developer and I worked in some product areas. I worked in some, um, I worked a lot in consulting. <clears throat> um, and in the, really in the consulting world, that's where um, I'd say one thing that any product manager should really, really have a good solid baseline and just being able to interact with people. Um, you know, so like a lot of product managers maybe come from like a business analyst type of background where they're maybe really skilled in, you know, extracting you know information from their customers and you know kind of understanding what it what it means and and how they can impact you know how they can meet those types of requirements 
So those types of skill sets, or at least being able to work with those types of skill sets are really important. Um, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of user experience uh, people. Um, so, you know, graphic designers and, you know, like user research and all the, all those sorts of. They're all those, crazy as far as I can tell. They're with really fun love. to work with though. Yeah. They are like, I mean, honestly, I've worked with some super, super talented people and it is a, it is a mindset that like, I don't know how you got from here to here, but I love it. That that's the kind of, <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Um, and, and so, but I, I think a lot of what I see that's common with product managers is their, well, I won't even say for other people, but I'll say for me, like I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff. I won't say like I'm not great at any one particular thing, but I'm pretty good at a lot of things. But I'm really good, I think, at building trust and talking with people and coming up with solutions that are like win-win type of things. And that's where that's where I think you can kind of build, you can kind of build trust from people by doing that. And, you know, then you get these opportunities. So I always think that coming from consulting background is like a great way to get into most of any of the things that are a P M P whatever, like yeah. all of that. I feel like consulting is just a really good intro because you have to kind of do all of it. Like you wind up being a project manager, you wind up being the product yeah. manager for your organization. You're all like, you wear so many hats and it's so fast paced and it's so, you know, on site. I, I say it's fast paced. I mean, you, I, you could be a consultant at cap and, and that would not be fast paced, right? <laughs> it's the opposite. Well, it, de it depends on the project. And I mean, so that's a lot of my background is I, um, you know, I started in, so I, I'm in this M365 space, which is a lot of SharePoint and, I started, you know, I started in SharePoint in 2006 and, you know, took it, took that a pretty long way in my career, but, you know, that gave me an opportunity to get involved in the sales process for the consulting company that I worked with at the time. Um, so I got heavily involved in the sales process, uh, naturally from that got involved in the marketing process and, you know, building, you know, helping at least with kind of the marketing plans and building collateral and running webinars and, you know, these sort of interactive types of things. Um, and, and I would, I would essentially, you know, what, you, you know, I would eat what I killed. Right. So like I would very, you know, I'd be the one doing the pre-sales, and then I'd roll on as the solution architect for the project. And I'm, you know, at that time I was running workshops. I was building wireframes. I was building the solution. And then, you know, we would go through the requirements and I would build the darn thing. So, you know, I was kind of doing it all end to end. And then over time, like I started to focus more on kind of the higher level, like strategic management you know, team building kind of aspects of that. And and that sort of led me eventually into this product space. So, and it really, for me, like it, it kind of came to a point where, 
okay, I don't want to do consulting engagements anymore. And I want to, you know, I want to do product management. So I found an opportunity that allowed me to do that, but it was still within the same kind of like um, space, like, you know, uh, technology and, and uh, you know, knowledge space that, that I was used to and, and with people that I, I knew and, and that trusted me. So. So as I said, all of my clients been hiring product managers, yeah. left, right, center, right. They're hot in the market right now. And so I was having this very interesting conversation with one the other day, and I would love for you to weigh in. <laughs> I have, you'll be surprised to learn strong opinions, <laughs> but they did as well. I had no idea. Um, and I will also warn you in advance, this is a totally not particularly PC um, quandary. So, okay. For all the warnings and caveats right before <laughs> I even start. Now you're intrigued. Um, I was not it's prepped gonna be beforehand. It's going to be less exciting than all of that. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about product managers and the person I was talking to said, and I thought made a good argument that right now in the market, especially for SaaS products, there are a lot of young people who are maybe five years out of university um, who are billing themselves as a product manager. And their argument was a real product manager, a high quality product manager that you actually want driving your product can't be four or five years out of university, that they just need to have been around more blocks than that. Because a big part of what a great product manager brings to that role is just having seen some shit fail and having done it so many times (laughs) that they know what doesn't work, what does work, and you only yeah. get that with years of experience. And so their argument yeah. was that they didn't want to see anybody that graduated less than 10 years ago because they're just like, there's just no way. Sure. Obviously, from a, you know, discrimination perspective, <laughs> we did not say yeah, how would... this age, but I can't, like, yeah. Their point was persuasive. What is your thought? Can you learn it innately, or do you need to just go around the block a few times? Yeah. So I'd I'd say I I might take a little bit of different perspective on that, okay? So I think that – so product management – so I I, I guess depending – I don't know who the company was, who the customer was. company. But so I would say if that's your only product manager, I'd probably 100% agree with that. If 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 you're if you're going to say I'm hiring a product manager, right? And and I'm going to put all my, you know, all all product my egg. chips in, into this yeah. into this uh this one person, I'd say that's probably, you know, a good strategy. Like I would want somebody that's very senior that I know I can rely on. Um, what I, but what I think is probably the better approach is you need to build a product management organization, right? And so, and that, and this kind of like parallels the way that my team currently runs um, at EY and what I've seen be successful at other 
organizations, right? So you may have someone who's, let's say, a senior product manager that has multiple, you know, product managers or deputy product managers or whatever you want to call them that report into them. And so they may all be working on individual work streams, but they have, you know, they have a senior product manager or I've even seen like product management directors or vice president of product or head of product, like you said, right? And so then you build, then you start to build a product management culture within that. And then, and then what you can do is you can give that person who's, you know, the three to five year experience product manager, who I think probably has a good foundation in agile, maybe has some technical skills, maybe has some business skills. They, maybe they come from like an MIS background or something like that. And you can give that person, you know, goals and uh, spaces within the product that they can achieve and learn, and then they can get more and more, you know, uh, they can be given more and more complex things to to product manage. But if you don't, but so I guess it depends on, to me, it depends on the organization and what, you know, how big the scope of that is. So like I say, if it's, if it's you're putting your chips in the in in the basket for one product manager, probably go with the more senior candidate. If you're actually building a product management organization, I think there's room for both. I would start with the more senior candidates, right? But then I would layer in these, uh, you know, maybe more junior product managers to give some some scalability to your your hiring structure, because you can't have you know, in no organization can you have all unicorns and rock stars, right? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting because part of what they were arguing um, in this instance was that there's no such thing, well, that there is not a way to be a, have a full career as a product manager. That like you can't graduate, go become a junior product manager, grow all in product management that you needed to go and like be a developer for a while or then go do this other thing and and get some different <clears throat> strings to your bow and that what a product manager does is it brings all of those strings from some of them improbable yeah. places together and that if you haven't done that then you can't just learn by doing just that job and i i'm with you I I call bull. Anytime somebody says it can't be done, I call bullshit. Right? Like that's well, already. Uh, yeah, I, I I'd probably I'd probably agree. I, so I, I guess here's here's here would be my retort would be, well, you're gonna learn those things. You know, you're gonna learn those hard lessons one way or another. What's the difference if I learn them and you're calling me? A developer or a business analyst or whatever, a pro project manager versus I learned that lesson as you, and you're calling me a product manager. Like I'm still learning the lesson, right, one way or another. And if I have, you know, so if I can meet the 80 percentile, you know, of your Pareto principle, right, like 80, I can do 80 percent of the work, and there's this 20 percent here where like I've still got some learning to do. Like, I'm a product manager. I'm I'm executing, you know, the bulk of what a product manager does, and I'm gonna learn some stuff outside of that core product management skill set, and then I'm gonna 
progress in in within the product management you know career framework if you will right so and and it's fairly you know this is a space that like in the back in the day like we didn't know what to call these people right they were just sort of the jacks of all trade kind of kind of thing and now there's more of a formalized like career path for what we call somebody that's good at a bunch of stuff and that's i think kind of where they were coming from i think that there is like this an old school mentality that um that a product manager is an innately senior yeah i would worry about any SaaS company that's using an old school mentality i would too <laughs> i think i said i think that is in fact what i said to them like oh yeah. i'm I'm sorry. I think the '90s called and wanted their <laughs> paradigm back. What, what was that? Exactly. Sorry? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. So we there's been so much talk about the Great Resignation, yep. and then the market was ridiculous and on fire, and people were just getting like just everybody was just making it rain, right? Like, how much do they want? Eight billion dollars sounds great. Sold. Like, Sign them up. Yeah. Like I had this is no word of a lie i had this guy who was three years out of uni as a developer in python yeah made him an offer you want to guess what we went in at oh gosh i i i think i might be depressed if you tell me so i'm not sure <laughs> we went 150 in at, grand we went in at 140. okay he had another offer on the table so we had to go back at 155. yeah okay and that on top of that, the company pays 100% of employee contribution for benefits for all healthcare. Mm -hmm. They have like uncapped PTO with minimum 20-day yeah. utilization. Like, I mean, legit awesome. It, ridiculous, yeah. right? And I hope they're really good at Python. They better be. <laughs> I placed him. So, of course, I'm going to be like, yeah. obviously, this guy's a genius. I have no idea. I yeah. mean, to me, Python might as well be a snake. But at any <laughs> rate, <laughs> um, now we're seeing the backlash, right? So we're seeing all of the, oh, wait, we didn't actually have that money. Just kidding. Mm. And we're seeing all people losing their jobs, et cetera. What, as somebody who has been in the tech industry for a while, and so you have seen the bubble burst, bubble burst uh, cycle, <laughs> What is your thought on where we are and kind of where it's headed? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's interesting. Um, so I, I wish I had the crystal ball to tell us like the where it's headed part. You and me both. Um, but you know, we we've we've experienced you know not exactly the same thing, but you know, we we've certainly seen that it that talent and uh, global talent in particular is, is getting harder and harder to hire in. Uh, we see, um, you know, people uh, getting crazy job offers that we can't possibly um, compete with. And, and you know, and, and that happens. Um, and I guess the, the way that I always, you know, I always have very candid conversations with people on my team, you know, like, if you want more money, like, you know, you might need to change positions. You might need to either go elsewhere within the company, take on a different type of role, or, you know, even go, you know, as much as I hate to lose you, like you might have to leave to get, you know, to get what you want, right? Uh, 
because you know I, I don't have the ability to create unlimited opportunity you know in place where where I'm at um, I, I think that you know hybrid work has been a big deal and I I think you know like I would never consider taking a job where I'm not able to have a hybrid work situation I've worked at home effectively for many years like even before covid like I, i've worked at home um you know so like i think people want the flexibility and you know we'll continue to demand that i think that um you know the hiring has gotten out of hand in certain respects um i think uh, some some level of backlash is you know probably warranted and and required um I think the people that are, you know, like these people, so I jokingly said, oh, I hope he's good at Python, right? Well, the people that took these jobs and took these salaries, right? If they're not on the top of their game, like, you know, in a year, two years time, like they may very well find themselves, especially if the market corrects downward, they may very well find themselves, you know, on the the cutting room floor, if you will, right? Like, and and people, and, and so, I, you know, everything's cyclical. I've been fortunate in my career that, you know, the, you know, economy has never really, like, it's impacted my pay raises or whether I got a pay raise and things like that, but I've never lost a job due to the economy, you know, knock on wood somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, I think larger, more stable companies are, you know, maybe like a safe haven for some folks. Um, but you know, I also see there's a ton of startups and there's a booming like, um, you know, startup culture not just in Silicon Valley, but I mean here in Georgia and Austin where you're at and like all over the place. I mean, you got startups and I see um, capital, uh, you know, venture capital is also tightening up. So as that VC money tightens up, you're going to see hiring tighten up as well. And like you'll have less of this free flowing cash to kind of throw at people. But I mean, a good developer is still going to command a hefty salary and a good product manager is, is also somebody that's going to be, you know, like you're not going to get somebody that's really, really good, you know, on the cheap. Right. And, but I, I, I see, I, I do see some of these roles even in the, you know, it used to be that you outsource like your, okay, I'm going to outsource my development roles because that's all, you know, that's just doers. Those are tactical people. And, and I don't subscribe to that belief, but um, I see in the future, like more and more of these product management strategic level roles or so-called strategic level roles like probably being outsourced more and more as well. So uh, I don't know. There's a lot of thoughts there, but <laughs> there's a lot, but that's great. Yeah. So um, one of the things I wanted to kind of piggyback off from what you said there is you said that with comment about for some people, the big companies are kind of a safe haven. And I think that that's always been true, but I also know from talking to my recruiter friends that work with hyperglobal megacorps, that they are really struggling right now because they're just not nimble enough. 
and they have a lot of kind of (coughs) older school mentalities around how they treat people like the whole well we're gonna promote you but not technically promote you until you've proven yourself in the role that's a very old school company (sighs) mentality that most of them still have and these days we have a whole generation of workers that just calls bullshit and they're like absolutely not why would i do that and and honestly, they should. Like I I've got no problem with that. I you know I've worked at different companies. The you know this is the biggest company I've ever worked for. And I mean, there's not many companies that are much bigger. So right. like it's one of the top. You know, so it's it's definitely not a you know we're not the we're not the poster child for for like a normal uh, experience, if you will. Um, you know I, I've worked for companies that you know promote you based on your individual readiness. And then I work, you know, I work for companies where it's more like, okay, we're going to look at the, you know, we're going to look at the curve and you stack here and, you know, we can only have so many people in this rating and that sort of stuff. And I think that you will get in the future, we're going to get more and more pushback against that. So if I'm performing at a, you know, X level, like, I should be rewarded and compensated at X level. It doesn't matter that, you know, there's 10 people or a hundred people on the team. And I could, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, you know, I should be a mid-level or I should be a senior, like, you know, or they'll leave to someplace that can give them what they want. Um, and, you know, and the unfortunate fact is that we see that, like we see that, you know, like, it, and and it probably will continue to happen. So I think you know the other thing is as a hiring manager, I'm sure you can identify that I've you know talked to a lot of folks who get frustrated that your ability to negotiate at a bigger company is way lower, right? Not not lower, zero. Right. <laughs> like you could absolutely have a member of staff who comes to you and they're like, Patrick, I'm a piece out. Like this place is yeah. I've got this other offer and you could be like we can we can go we can advocate for them we can try you know we can say hey this is the business case why this person should you know get what they're asking or close to what they're asking but at the end of the day you know they're in a large company there are ranges and you know there are um you know there are salary uh surveys and due diligence that different parts of the organization uh, take on to say, you know, for the, these roles, the salary ranges for these ranks are this. And, you know, someone at my, like, you know, someone at my level, I don't have any control over that, unfortunately. And that's just, you know, um, so all I can do is advocate for that person and, you know, say why they are, you know, why they're valuable, why it would cost us more to go have to go go to market and hire or this, that or the other. But, um, you know, if, if somebody's got a ridiculously good offer, you know, my advice to them nine times out of 10 is take it. <laughs> so that's so, so cause the bigger the organization, obviously there's more and more problems with like parity and like what one department oh, sure. does. And that's why you guys get your hands tied, right? Like it's not because the company's like, ha, 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 we're going to be evil. It's, it's all it's the road to hell has been paved with good intentions. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's like, okay, if I give this person X, then, you know, even even if people aren't supposed to talk about 
their salaries and what you know you know people talk or there's glass door there's there's, there's fish exactly <laughs> um and and so people talk right and they and and they they go out and say oh this person's getting this and so now now i just did something for one person i've got 10 people on my team well now i've got nine more people coming to me and say hey such and such got this like what you know how do i do that and and so i think as a as a leader right that's a bad precedent to set um and and it's not a sustainable model right you know there's there's not infinite funds out there like you know we have to operate within a budget and unfortunately sometimes that means making hard decisions or having to say goodbye to someone that you really value because they've got a better opportunity that's more aligned with what they want to do in their career yeah i for what it's worth my personal philosophy is never accept a counter offer and never make a counter offer yeah if they were mad I, enough to go <laughs> let them go <clears throat> i i I subscribe to that probably 90% of the time. Um, I rarely, I will rarely make a counter offer for somebody. If they were unhappy enough to be looking externally, there's probably not a whole lot that I can do to make them happy. If, if the only thing that they're looking for in that role is more money, then they're like, but I also feel like you're just negotiating terrorists, right? Like yeah, what absolutely. What them is they go out and get anytime they want to raise that we don't have budgetary bandwidth for. Right. They just go out and get an offer and come back. And you know what I mean? And I just like yep. down that path lies madness to my way of thinking. Yeah. I, like I said, nine times out of 10, that's that's the way I would treat it as well. There have been a few extenuating circumstances in my career, but uh, most of the time. Here, what are those offline? Because I, yeah. in my, I can't think of any. I have had people try to make that case to me, and I have still said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's, there's, there's really actually only there's one. There's exception to every rule. There's so. only one exception I, I can think of, and and it's not, it's not uh, podcast appropriate. <laughs> there you go. Um. So one of the questions that I get asked by people a lot, and I know what answer I give, but it's ultimately a question for you. So I would like to hear your answer is when I'm trying to, when they're trying to stand out as a job applicant, should they contact the person who is the hiring manager or they suspect is the hiring manager? So they want to get a job as a product person at EY, they're like, ha I saw that podcast with that Patrick guy. He's the mm. one that I could talk to. Should they all hit you up on LinkedIn, <laughs> call into your DMs and be like, hey, Patrick, can I have 15 minutes of your time for a quick chat? Um, the answer to that, that is that? no, I, I <laughs> please don't do that. Um, and I mean, so like anybody on LinkedIn, right? Like I, I get hit up all the time. Um, so uh, for the most part, like I am only ever going to recommend someone to any role that I have personal experience with. Like I've worked with you in the past. We've worked on a project together. 
uh, we have, you know, I know you in some way, right? Because I, I, I'm not going to go to bat for someone who, like, I don't have that, that personal background with. Because you know, when you recommend someone, you're, you're effectively putting your reputation on the line saying, you know, I recommend this person. Now, I, I may make an introduction on someone's behalf, but I'll, I'll also usually caveat that by saying, you know, I'm just introducing this person. I don't have any, you know, background with them. Um, I think it depends on, you know, what I, what I would probably recommend is it's better to apply to the role and write a really good cover letter, right, that explains why are you like a good candidate for this role and what about your background? Because, I mean, if you get in a situation, you're looking at, you know, even 10 resumes, they all kind of start to look the same after a while. But like if you can if you can in a very maybe two paragraph succinct cover letter say, you know, this is why I'm good for this role. Like that to me would stand out more than you nagging me over email or over LinkedIn or texting me or, you know, somehow you got my phone number. Like, I, honestly, like for me, you're going to go to the bottom. Have of the they stack. gotten your phone number now? I just have to know. Has that happened? <laughs> no, it hasn't. It hasn't. Thankfully. You that thoroughly? It has not. No. <laughs> wow. But I, but I do get random people hit me up and like they want a, an introduction. And I just like, I don't know you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself on the line, you know, for you. Right. Like, great. So I guess I wasn't really talking about so much of a recommendation as just a yeah as the hiring manager yeah I would say gurus are always like go around recruitment go straight to the hiring manager they're the decision maker anyway um and you know I work with clients in whole ranges of size and some of them are like do do we know this person Uh, what is happening uh, right now apply (laughs) apply to the job submit a really good cover letter and like stand out that way please stop telling people to submit a great covering letter because i don't want to read that anyway no. well <laughs> the, you don't have to read it just just forward you it don't on. get to see it if i don't read it and care no, this is true so i don't know the answer then like but i, I don't want a bunch of people reaching out to me either way <laughs> the takeaway is don't talk to patrick he doesn't like people. Leave him alone. That's not well. I mean, I like people enough, but just certain people, like just certain people, people I know. So if you don't already know you, it's a hard no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's it is it is it's a it's a balance, I guess, because now thinking back about it, I, I have you know, we've we've raised internal um, you know job postings. And I've had people reach out to me as the hiring manager, you know, to inquire more about the role. And I've entertained those conversations. Um, You know, I think it's a little bit harder as an external candidate because, you know, because and and at a very large company, it's going to, I mean, what's going to happen is they're going to have to go through talent one way or another. Right. So, so if they reach out to me, like, I'm just going to have to reroute them back to talent. And, you know, and, and I mean, I'm in six, seven hours of meetings, like almost every day, like it's a matter of time. So like we have, you know, we have recruiting teams to vet those things out and, and we need to let them, you know, do their jobs. Yeah. I think that, 
I know I think it is really difficult because I know hiring managers that, and I've worked with companies where we were struggling, like, yeah. and they would have been like, anybody who can do this job that wants to email me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I will send you to Michelle and then we can make this happen. But I've probably like, been that person too. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and so, and it was like, we literally, because sometimes candidates respond better to hearing from the hiring manager or, you know, whatever. And so we like, I've been down that road more than once and I, I totally get it. And yet at the same time, when you're in a situation where you're inundated with applicants, that's the opposite of help. And so yeah. what I always say is that like, I, I suggest that that strategy works much better if you're applying to a small company. I think that's true. That like, yeah. don't waste your time doing that with the EYs. Yeah. And, 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 and like, thinking back in my job history, right, where I did work for because I worked for like some of the smaller consulting companies I worked for, you know, it's 100, 150 people. And, you know, many times I was the one out on LinkedIn reaching out to people like, hey, do you want to come join my team? Right. Like and and I'm sure that's just as annoying as the, the opposite. Right. So um, I, who doesn't want that email? Well, like maybe. I even like it when I get that and people are like, you seem so great. Don't you want to come be our recruiter for $50,000 a year? No, you're crazy. But also I, I, I still, I thing. still have people like reaching out to me, you know, Hey, do you, do you want this developer role? And I'm like, yeah, I haven't written code in 10 years. Like you really want me to come be your developer on your team? Like right. you're crazy. You're 10 years <laughs> and a hundred grand off the mark, my friend. Like, <laughs> bad news all the way so, around. Yeah, it's. I think it's tricky, I, but I do suspect that you're right. It's, it's probably more effective for a smaller organization, or if you've got, like, you're looking at your connections and you say, oh, I've got these people connected. Maybe you can get an introduction that way. I mean, I'll be, you know, per, like, LinkedIn is a goldmine. Like, I, every job I've ever gotten has been through LinkedIn or in some way, like, networking on LinkedIn. So, you know, if you're not building your network and curating your connections and, you know, like any, I mean, if I'm not connected to, if I have a meeting with a team at Microsoft or a team at EY or, or, or whatever, like the, my immediate next action is I go make a connection with them on LinkedIn. And I, I mean, I have over a thousand connections probably like, I don't know, 12, 1300 connections. And like that, that's your professional network. If you're not mining that for your career opportunities, then, you know, good luck. My take on LinkedIn, I totally agree with you. But uh, my, what I always say to people about LinkedIn is that it is the modern equivalent of exchanging business cards. When we are oh, not physically 100%, there. 100%. It's, it's basically. In fact, don't and, even give me a business card. I've got a pile don't. of those in a closet somewhere. I do not want any business. I don't even have a business card. I do. I have pretty ones. They're purple and everything. <laughs> but that's because my business partner is a graphic designer. And so she was like, and we do go to networking events. Yeah. So, so you have to have the business card. Yeah. 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 Like it's, but I, it's I'm not nice. taking one. All right. Fine. Put, put a QR code to your LinkedIn profile on your business card and I'll scan Done. it, connect Obviously. and throw the business card away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I know I, I completely and totally agree. And in fact, 
somebody was showing me the other day, my friend Scarlett, that there's a way that you can just have the um, LinkedIn QR code like on your phone at a networking event and you just like hold mm -hmm. up your phone and they scan it right there, done. I was like, oh, well shit, now I wish I didn't have business cards and I just walked around flashing my phone at people. That seems <laughs> That's all you got to do. Right? Exactly. I didn't have any desire to kill these trees anyway. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so believe it or not, we are actually almost out of time. What wow. have we not talked about that we should have definitely talked about? Um, well, I, well, I, I love like your questions are like, honestly, really kind of got me thinking, um, you know, and I hope that I did an adequate job of, of answering them. More um, than <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I think that anybody that is looking for a career in product management, um, I'd say it is, a, you know, it's a very interesting space. You're going to see a lot of different things and definitely encourage, you know, there, there, there's, you know, all different backgrounds are welcome, needed, and should, you know, would highly encourage people to pursue it. Um, I guess, you know, I guess shameless plug. Um, so you and I are connected in through more than just the podcast because I actually know your husband and okay. that guy and have had the opportunity to work with him in a couple of different uh, in a couple of different uh, companies. Um, you know, great technology guy, also in a product management uh, career. So uh, you know, shameless shameless plug, but. Uh, you know, Giles and I have a new podcast that we're uh, creating. Uh, we've we've put our first episode. You know, was it in the can? Is that the the lingo? I think so yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but we're we're doing a podcast called uh, Enterprise Influencers, and the the concept behind the the podcast is how do you know people like you and me, kind of like regular everyday you know we're not the we're not the ceo we're not the boss we're not the you know the the leaders of the overall organization but we're in there influencing you know the technology decisions the business decisions the direction of an organization so how within that you know within that company do we these enterprise organizations you know how do you influence an organization of size and we're going to be talking with a bunch of different people about a bunch of different topics. Um, so, you know, how do you how do you lead from within? How do you maintain, you know, networks? How do you, you know, basically, how do you get shit done <laughs> is, is really huh? the the um, the gist of it. So um, keep a lookout for that. We're going to be on all the, you know, all the things in the social medias and interwebs and all that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much, uh, so I, I can't have think of anything else. That's okay. I have one last question because I ask everybody, how do you respond when somebody asks you how much you make? In terms of a career, uh, like if I'm doing you, a- You, Patrick, if somebody says, is gauche enough to say, so how much do you make, Patrick? How do you respond to that? Not enough. <laughs> My husband's response is always, I do all right. 
<laughs> I do all right. That's a good one too. Fair enough. Well, yep. thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. We'll have links to you that people should not use because you don't want people DMing you um, in the show notes. And um, if you've got really something interesting it. to talk about, uh, feel free to reach out. Like I, I don't, I'm not an, right. I'm not an ogre. Like I like people don't, don't treat me that way. Jeez. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you. This was fun. You've been listening to Hey, I Want Your Job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>